0: Welcome back. Yes, yeah, this is the Broken Vermont podcast. It is Aaron and Jen, Jen and Aaron. And today it's just us. So, yeah.
1: Coming at you. Interesting things to talk about. I feel like we were definitely going to talk about um, emergency information, access to information, yeah. language access. Yeah. Uh, um, translations. Ad- We have stories to share on how difficult things are for people Mm -hmm. from our experience that specifically relating to um, labor, Department of Labor and unemployment. I think we both have stories that we can share just to show like the challenges
0: the broken things? The broken things, The. And what's a broken thing? Uh, the language access in this state. Um. So first I'm going to share my frustrations with the state because it is a broken thing. I do like that Vermont wants to be a more diverse state. Well, I don't know if they really do. But anyways, but at the same time, they don't have resources to, to really be... A more diverse state and it really starts with like the language access it's like you want new Americans to come here but then we don't have a lot of interpreters or translators to kind of help when they're in need I saw that a lot when it came to like flood relief because um, most people that I helped did not English was not their first language um, I don't even think it was their second language to be quite honest. Um, And so when it came to needing resources, especially when it came to unemployment, the department of labor really couldn't understand what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And they also did not have a lot of Vietnamese translators. I don't think they had any Vietnamese translators. Um, And I don't speak a second language. Um, I blame my parents for that, but Because they didn't push that on me as a child. (laughs) And now I need it. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, So it really showed me that we have a lot of work to do in this state before we can say, please come here. Um, Vermont is friendly. Because I had to do a lot of the translation work. And yet again, I only speak English and I have a very southern accent. So... (laughs) That's something within itself too, Um, and it was very difficult. It, It was really hard to to help on a like I felt like I didn't even do my job the best because it was a language barrier, and the state really didn't have anyone, especially in the Department of Labor, that could help. You know, it was me. And at one point, there was three Vietnamese people sitting in a room and, you know, bury because we were on hold for four hours doing flood relief um, because a broken thing. The state didn't think to hire more people for a natural disaster.
1: So Um, the already overburdened staff have to handle a deluge of disaster applications for assistance. Yeah.
0: So yeah, Um, so we had to go to Barry who actually doesn't even do unemployment. So that's not even an unemployment office. They do more like workforce development. Um, But we actually couldn't get into the unemployment office because of where it was located and they were all working remote because of the flood. So it took us going to Barry who were also like, uh, this isn't a system that we even work with. Mm-hmm. so and then it came to that language of like well, this is what we need and you know no one's really understanding like what was needed um took us a while but I also really blamed the department of labor because why don't you have language translate like where is this like you knew we were struggling mm-hmm. and no one even offered like maybe we need a translator for this it was just like oh Aaron's here. Yeah. She can figure it out. Right. Um, She's
1: with the people of color.
0: She'll know. Cuz we all speak the same language. And then it was also like one of his employees is darker skinned, so we actually were like the same exact color so he could pass as a black man. But when he speaks, obviously you know that he is not from America. And so they would they were talking to him as if he understood English and he's over there like, "What?" are you saying to me right now? Like, come again? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he does not speak English. He's Vietnamese. And it just kind of like took them back that like, yes. And um, implosion. <laughs> it's like, um, I'm going to shut all down. All Asians <laughs> don't look the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. There was even one time that they, they gave they were like, is Chinese okay and I'm like they're from Vietnam China Vietnam China <laughs> they Vietnam just
1: switch out the languages <laughs> like we can't find a Vietnamese. so we're going to see if Chinese works don't we have technology for this
0: i was like you know what don't even worry about it i'll figure this out so i um, has children that speak english really well so they can the it's a shout they out to kids a, yeah but yeah it english was as a second terrible. language It was the worst experience with the Department of... And, like, honestly, and they still haven't gotten all of their payments from the flood. And that happened in July, and we're now in November. So, a broken thing. Please, please have someone in your office or someone that you could call when a natural disaster happens and to know that we do have a high immigration population in this state and... They need to feel comfortable. And you also need to know what they're saying. And it's not on them. It's on the state. It's So I blame the
1: state. I feel like that's important to note that a lot of refugees in the state have been, like, specifically invited here. Very much so. Um, so that's one thing. It's like, you know, you invite them, and then they kind of get caught here, like, stuck without resources, sometimes without transportation, like, without a coat. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. No resources. Um, and yeah. One really important piece of the puzzle. When you say like it's on the state, let me back that up because it's on the feds and it's on the state by accepting federal money because title six, this, this is what title six of the civil rights act says. No person in the United States shall on the, ground, the grounds or the basis of race, color, or national origin, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subject to discrimination under any program that receives federal funding, even $1 of federal funding. So the only way to do that is to try really hard to get the word out about programs, resources to people and just saying, oh, they don't speak English doesn't count as an excuse for why they, you know, can't access the program. So that's like when we say like it's on them, it really is. It's actually really, really, really like anyone who gets federal money's job to ensure that Mm -hmm. there's language access. And we have a
0: language access like like school basically in Vermont and yeah. it's like why didn't you reach out to them for resources for help for guidance um I just think this problem it got out of hand because the state it was like the state was saying oh you don't speak English so this isn't our problem anymore right uh, we are here we'll help you figure it out but don't be an inconvenience to us because we don't understand what you are saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to be challenging. You're not going right. to understand every word they say. But honestly, you can pick up on a couple of
1: words and be like, oh, this is exactly what they need. Like, And there's a couple of things here because I have a story, too, to share, but from the pandemic. And so it's disheartening to hear that the exact same problems are happening three years after This first happened within the scope of the pandemic. So yeah, so I have a similar tale of um, someone who didn't speak English trying to access unemployment. And um, this was during the pandemic. Uh, Right at the start of the pandemic, I was working with a group of people who were, we were doing community conversations around the state before the pandemic happened. And then when it happened, we switched to online and we continued to do these conversations where we were paying participants. Um, for their time uh, to talk to us to inform the Department of Environmental Conservation on their community engagement and language access plans. Um, We spoke with, among a lot of people, we spoke with um, some individuals who were from the Bhutanese-Nepali community, and these particular individuals lived up near Burlington. They, it was like, It happened at least five times, maybe up to like 15 times where during the pandemic, when everybody lost work and went to sign up for unemployment, nothing was translated into any other language besides English from Department of Labor. And so not
0: even Spanish.
1: Not that I'm aware of. I could be wrong on that, but certainly not (laughs) Nepali. Um, I I have a story to tell for that one, too. And so there were, there were, like I said, at least five instances where because they filled out this form and they didn't speak English and they didn't know what they were checking, they checked the wrong box. Like they indicated something incorrect on their forms and the department of labor found out like months later and they sent out letters to a bunch of people saying you have to pay back upwards of $15,000 in unemployment benefits. Whoa that they owed the state the money back, which obviously after several months, you don't have that money anymore. <laughs> like that's kind like, of what um, unemployment is for, like, to get you through when like a crisis happens. So um, the Association of Africans Living in Vermont had a liaison who spoke their language and English, and he was like tireless filing, you know, back responses to the state and basically saying, like, we didn't mean they didn't mean to misrepresent. It started to, like, interfere with their citizenship. You know, like it, they they it showed that they owed a balance to the state, which isn't good, like for certain people. So it, w- it was a mess. A lot of them wound up not having to pay it. So it was a, like it was like a hellscape that they were put through. Wound up being all right, I hope, and pray. Like, I I don't know if any of them had to repay any of it, but I think a lot of them wound up sorting it out. But, you know, the fact of the matter is... Just that mental anguish of, like, I may have to pay this How stressful back. is that to be,
0: like... <laughs> I owe the state $15,000. Just owe the state $500. Like, any amount of money, at a, like, during a pandemic. And it's, like, also the state, this is on you for not checking that because why didn't you say, Hey, I don't think you meant to check this box.
1: Well, and like to not have program navigators or like pay the man from AALV to be that liaison, you know, pay these community experts to help their neighbors,
0: pay the people, be good neighbors, pay the people. It always but, comes back to that. Like <laughs> Yeah. Pay, pay community liaisons yeah. for doing the work that they're already doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, because they're doing it over time, guaranteed. So yeah. they could always use a little bit more. Yeah. It's really super disheartening to hear that the forms are still not translated in any language besides English. Yeah. And they're still having difficulty at DOL with complying with the Civil Rights Act.
0: And then it got to a point to where it was it was very, it was easier for um, them to do it online than over the phone because, you know, I do speak English. So I'm able to, to be like, hey, this is what's going on. But then it got to a point where the state was no longer accepting online applications for <laughs> disaster unemployment um, because of fraud. And I was just like, wow. maybe hire more people. Because, how do you know it's not fraud over the phone? And also, that's an inconvenience to people who do not speak great English. Um, and it goes back to that. It's like you're actually harming a group of people who, you know, were told this is a great place to come. We are an inclusive state. We are trying. We value you. And, like, these are business owners, too. Nice. Like,
1: these are. <laughs>
0: Even now, during flood relief, applications are still coming back. Like, you don't need, basically, we don't think you need this amount of money or you're not showing us enough proof. But it's like, we all know Montpelier mm-hmm. flooded.
1: Yeah. If there's a restaurant in Montpelier that says, I lost 30K, believe it's them. Really pretty true.
0: Like, they lost everything. Mm-hmm. And, Oh, you don't have a receipt to show us Mm -hmm. that you bought this, so why do you need the money? I don't know. Maybe because I can't afford to go out and buy it because I've already bought it Mm -hmm. and I lost it Mm -hmm. and I did not have insurance.
1: And language access, too, can also mean not just translating into other languages, but making it readable, like making language that's understandable to the average person, like... Middle school reading level is what's recommended. Yeah. Eighth basically. grade, fourth grade for like yeah. some things, be, especially if you're going to get it translated. But yeah, that that's another. You know, it's it has to be something that people can actually engage with. Otherwise, like you might as well not have said anything. Yeah. If no one's gonna read it because it's too complicated, you basically didn't do any outreach. But
0: that's the thing. They usually
1: don't do outreach.
0: Outreach is usually, like, from what I'm seeing, outreach is very – that is a very um, exclusive thing. Because when certain people do outreach, they're only doing outreach in their immediate circle. Yeah um they're not going to to try to go out and really hear the majority voice and maybe because they don't know how that could be it's like I don't know how to reach this audience um but then I feel like that's laziness because what do you mean you don't know how to reach a certain audience yeah um that's what community members are for to say you know I don't live on this side I live on this side. Can you help me do outreach for your neighborhood?
1: Yeah, I can do fifty bucks an hour for ten hours to help me.
0: And I'm pretty sure that outreach will be done like a lot quicker than you think, so because they probably already talk to to their neighbor every day. They see their neighbor at church, grocery shopping, but it's like, oh. We have to do outreach. We don't know how, mm-hmm. so since we don't know how, we're just not going to do it.
1: And this example has come up like in several different ways this week. But if you only get one response to any type of resource, you need to widen your net. A con- a contract, <laughs> a grant application, a job—you need to widen your net if you're only getting one response for if it's a Valuable resource, which there's a lot of value getting tossed around, and
0: because when we really think about it, really like a lot of the
1: state bids we see, they're they're not anywhere besides that state bid website. Go to the state bid website. I'm gonna pull up the actual. No, I don't have my laptop. It's um. I know it's like gonna the business it. registry. Yeah, Hold you on. should. If you Google Vermont business registry. That's where the state of Vermont posts all their open contracts. And it's really easy to get a contract, y'all. Um, I got to say, I prefer contracts over grants, like 100%. Obviously, you need to be a legitimate entity of some kind. You know, like, of course, you could be a sole proprietorship. But you have to have a skill and be able to deliver on the contract. contract but yeah. there are so many opportunities there for was one to get paid. That was picking up
0: library books and... I think the the main requirement was a reliable car and yeah. for you to be able to lift 50 pounds. Oh. And so that's a lot of people. But, well, not really because it's Vermont. Um, but that's some yeah. masses. That's, and that's work. And you don't even have a boss, really. No, because you're just going to go pick up library books yeah. from one very well-funded to take them to underserved libraries. And you were only doing that,
1: like, once a month. And that was that was the contract. And do you know the best way to get a contract in the future is to be a subcontractor now? Yep. So figure out. A great <laughs> So figure out who got the contract and then ask something. them that you're interested in doing yeah. and then be their subcontractor. And then you have a record. Of and it's always success.
0: And like for me, um, let's say, you don't really know what you want to do in life. Um, like me, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I wanna know. I want to do a lot. I want to do a lot of things. I lot of things so, you are. so I am, <laughs> but it's a way like I've worked with Jennifer on things and it's kind of like opened the door for me to get into like the environmental segue, mm-hmm. uh, which led to the contract that I'm working on now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, even find stuff that like you're like oh I know how to do this but it's not my specialty but also ask it wouldn't like hurt I you can to add ask value yeah those, yeah
1: um, and Go sometimes it's skills. good
0: not knowing what you're working on it's
1: valuable but having but outside because <laughs> then you're like
0: why are you doing this and then yeah. it helps you to be like oh well if this outside person doesn't get it yeah. maybe we do need to reword so true. or come up with another way to yeah. reach so please please I will go on a rant because i think it's very very important to like go to your state bid website and vermont's is uh vermontbusinessregistry.com so go to it and, there. <laughs> um, look and even look at like closed ones to just yeah. see like what comes available yeah. and you can see who got the contract yeah. usually and they post it and so
1: please yeah, yeah, yeah get, get the money utilize
0: it like get, get that money Cause we all need it. Yeah,
1: um, we all need a th- fifth job. <laughs> Get that third job, cause it's content. needed. <laughs> also, federally, there's an, there's a, the government contractor website federally, um, which it used to be Fed Biz ops, which <laughs> is the sketchiest <laughs> .gov. It's but like they ops. changed it. <laughs> they, Biz B I Z. I'm like, how sketchy are you? Okay, federal government. But no, but that's the point, though. They changed it. It's FBO.gov. So still <laughs> FedBizOps. <laughs> <laughs> they have all the federal contracts around there except for like DOD kind of con, yeah. like Department of Defense type stuff.
0: And, and no, the federal government
1: purchases like everything. Because they just can't about. just go out and buy stuff. They have to make it a public bid for everything. I mean, yeah. Like if they need, like, potato coffee. chips yeah, like coffee. at, like, an army base.
0: You For can, example. like, go to Costco, Sam's, BJ's, and buy it They don't care how all. you get it there? They don't. Like, you can go buy all of the coffee potato chips they have in these places. And then you can sell it to the federal government. You could change the light bulbs in the federal office. That's a
1: contract.
0: It, you know, the state of Vermont just had that same exact contract <laughs> <laughs> that opened yeah. up. It's like— All you need is a ladder?
1: And they provide the
0: bulbs. <laughs> they just need the labor. Yeah. So it's just like, I think that's an, like, a lot of, I would say, middle and low income people do not know about those opportunities. Yeah, and a really lot of it has hard. to deal with, like, outreach. Um, yeah. And the one thing I do like about contracts is, like, you have a date that it's due, mm-hmm. you know, it, you have deliverables mm-hmm. that kind of help you get through it. Um, so it's a plan and you technically have a boss, but you really don't and you get your stuff done, you turn it in and boom, you can get another one. Yeah. yeah.
1: And with contracts, a lot of the time they give you a bunch of money up front. Up front yeah. So you're not just working for free forever until it's done until it's done. Yeah. yeah. Like a, oftentimes a grant will make you do that. Put in like a a lot of labor up front. Um. Yeah, I'm somehow working for free, man. Yeah. Uh, it's just—it's just, <laughs> a dance. It is <sighs> okay. That's good. I feel good about putting people up on contracts. There, yeah. Like I
0: look at the, I look at the bid website. Probably about I have alerts. every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I have alerts too, but then even there's been like some that I don't get an alert for. Yeah. But I'm like, ah, oh. and then I'll just share it out with people that I think.
1: Maybe interested in it um but it's just an important website to to go look at yeah and you can't you can set alerts by topic by Mm -hmm. department like keywords i think so definitely yeah yeah my next one is looking for pretty sure it's not translated into any other languages though i don't let me see i mean they might have the google buttons at this point that they used to not um Back in 2020, we did a we did a survey of all the Vermont uh, websites to see if they had language translation, even just like the Google bar. Um, almost none of them did. A couple of them did. Um, Department of Health at that point was doing. Yeah, I don't see um, one for Vermont actually. So yeah, and but ask. Um, well, it's especially hard because. Um, it's an added complication when they put stuff out in a PDF that, like, it actually it needs a whole other level of mm-hmm. translation um, s- technology that I'm pretty sure the state is not paying for. So, when you put stuff out on a PDF, it's like you can't pull that data very easily. Mm-hmm, yeah, anymore. it's not, and all the permits come out on PDFs, unfortunately. So, so it all goes back to language access. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just access in general. So one thing I definitely wanted to touch on from our conversation with Monique Mm -hmm. is really what we've been talking about in terms of emergency response. Kind of the elephant in the room (laughs) when she sort of dropped the bomb that the – a local emergency response didn't have any plan for how to communicate with the public during an emergency in an emergency.
0: So what I found very interesting when, uh, Monique was like the emergency response did not know how to tell the public about an emergency. And it was the community Mm -hmm. members that rallied together, started a Facebook group and shared our resources And it's like, but they got paid to do a plan, the emergency response. But there was no plan on outreach.
1: Or money. Like, that's the part where it's like, you can get paid to do a plan, but if you don't put money into the action of the plan, (laughs) it doesn't matter at all. We just did a plan. That's words on a page. But we don't know how.
0: But that's the thing. Is the plan could be. I went to a conference, was it last week? And... He spoke about all the plans that Vermont has. Like he had a whole PowerPoint, and it was like just the ones that he could think of. Not he didn't like he was like this. Is not even a Google search. These are the ones that like I know of off the, It was like fifteen. Yeah. He was like, so oh we yeah, have that's all a very these small number. Very, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's great that you could think of fifteen off the yeah. top of your head. And he was like, yeah, but none of these actually know how to do a outreach, um, or how to really enact said plan. They just have a plan, and I was like, but shouldn't your plan be the plan? Like- <laughs>
1: or the, like, yeah, the plan could be the outreach. Like the, pl- the plan for a disaster could be, okay, disaster strikes, boom, one night you wake up, it's flood. What do we do? What do we do? Immediately you have already the people in the community that you're going to deploy because your plan was contract those people ahead of time and get them ready and have a couple conversations with them and like be ready and then they know at least that they're gonna get paid. That's the important part is that their time shouldn't be free. If an agency person's getting paid to uphold the standard and the standard is not being upheld, it's actually being thrust on volunteers, why not pay them?
0: Why not pay the people who are actually doing the work? Because when you think about it, we spend a lot of money enacting said plans But then when a natural disasters happen, we don't know what to do. And we rely on community members to do it. And I know that they don't mind doing it because, A, they love their community. They don't want to see their neighbors suffering. But then also, why aren't we learning from them? And why aren't we saying, hey, you know what to do. Mm -hmm. Can you help us do whatever you're doing so we can enact it in a plan so when the next disaster comes, Mm -hmm. we know exactly what to deploy, who to go where. But instead, it's just like, we, we don't know what to do. It's going to go away. Or they just expect the community. They know that the community isn't going to just let people suffer. And they know that, boom, they're going to go Something's out and do this work.
1: And since they're doing it, why should I have to do it? So, I mean, some of these emergency, quote unquote, emergency programs, which from my perspective, it's. It's pretty audacious to call some of these emergency programs when, you know, I'm thinking from a farming point of view, but the, the message was don't touch anything for four months until we approve you to touch it. And if you touch it before we approve you, you're not going to get any money, but you know, a farmer's not going to just sit there and leave the debris in their field." Until it's proven yeah. to the federal government in Washington that there was debris in their field. They're not. And like for months livelihood. from now, they're going to have to have already harvested that field. So whatever they could have sa- saved, they will. Like that's their livelihood. It's unrealistic. So just like drop the E. It's not an emergency plan.
0: It's a plan. It's not an emergency program. It's not even a plan because
1: a plan is a plan. Like emergency... Needs response needs to be rapid and also equitable. And it's like if the programs themselves aren't equitable, and when when I say that, what I mean is if you walk in the door of an agency, any government agency, you have the right to a certain level of service. And not even just if you walk in the door, you actually have a right to a standard level of service from your government, equal to everybody else around you. Mm as a person in the United States, not a citizen, not nothing like person in the United States, we have rights. So if one person gets vastly different levels of service than another person, it's a structural failure and it has to be addressed. Yeah. thank. It's not like one person's fault. It is like lots of people <laughs> who could do something to help fix it and make it More equal and equitable. equitable. Yeah. Yeah. And a
0: plan, this is the definition in a noun form, a detailed proposal for doing or achieving something. Doing. And then the verb is decide on and arrange in advance. So. In advance of an event, which then begins action. Disaster is an event. Right. And we had a plan,
1: mm-hmm. but the plan didn't decide on anything. It was just there. I wonder how many times they've done any kind of like emergency response, like mock trial, kind of a thing. Kind of like, like
0: a of kind of like, um, when we do like the fire drills, at yeah like we need a, like, we need a f-
1: Yeah we need yeah, yeah. statewide fire drill or town wide like that's the other thing like that it could be something that every town could do just to build their own resiliency like okay like, so like where what do you go happen? the town I, we lived in during the pandemic i mean for me i was there like in the heart of the pandemic they deployed nur- like immediately they deployed this like community nursing system where every single street in our town had a designated health person and they just just were responsible for their co- their neighborhood. They went to every mailbox and dropped off masks and gloves and hand sanitizer. And this was before, like, anyone had masks. So, like, we j- and it was just in our mailbox, you know. Where else would I have gotten a mask at that point? That was before they were in the stores or anything, you know. Because why did I even need a mask? And they checked in with everyone. They left their card. They were like, if you need anything. Let us know. It was, like, immediate deployment of this community resilience infrastructure. Shout out to Lyme, New Hampshire. But stuff like that where it could be duplicated. But the reason they could do that, I'm willing to bet, is because they actually had money behind it. Like they had an organization
0: that was funded
1: by the community.
0: But like – But why didn't that – you know, like that shows that any town could have done something very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, I know – Little Rivers, they did something very similar in Bradford um, because you know they—that's a healthcare so facility. So they did have masks, and so they made sure um, organizations around Bradford um, had them as well. Uh, But that didn't happen everywhere, Um, and we saw that it really did not happen in like low-income areas. Um, And that's something that we need to kind of work on—is making sure. Like, everyone has that same level of of treatment. Yeah. Because um, we really know who, like, the pandemic impacted the most. The most. And it was
1: low-income and
0: BIPOC folks. Yeah,
1: because it's cumulative burdens, one on top of the other, that make it challenging, more and more challenging. Like, from a f- like agricultural perspective in my work, I feel really strongly about this, like equitable service, like caliber of service where, to be quite honest, it would be very common, hypothetical scenario, that a farmer who has been farming for a long time and has accessed resources in the past will either get the call about funding opportunities directly or they'll know about them because they get them every year and When I, when I first took this position, we had a list of like maybe 10 farms that we worked with and it was like, you know, when you look at the ag census, we have over 500 farms in our (laughs) County, like (laughs) 570 farms, just in Orange County. And so ever, you know, I've been on a mission to try to assist with equal level of quality as many farms as possible by like. Coordinating ourselves. But you now, like last year, we assisted, directly assisted 60 Farms. And we don't turn people away because they're small and they don't already know all the lingo and they don't already know all the acronyms. And we don't just say like, oh, no, this isn't going to work for you.
0: Vermont has an acronym for everything. <laughs> like- <just> <laughs> <laughs> oh, but,
1: you know, like-, like this smaller, like more diversified or even historically underserved farmers, they'll they'll walk in and be like, I don't know anything about your programs. And it is very common that they'll get talked out of applying for anything because of it. it's just too complicated. And there's no one dedicated to.
0: I mean, yeah, that seeing it. There. I know oh, some folks from flood relief that did not apply mm-hmm. to FEMA or SBA because it was too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, like you'll be better off just like bootstrapping it. That's exactly what they did. That's what all of them did. A, because the interest rate was high. (laughs) And then there was another organization that was like, oh, so whatever SBA doesn't cover, we'll come in with a 10% interest rate. And they're already like, we don't want eight. And they're coming at us with 10. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the application was very complicated. I remember we were applying and it asked for, what is it? Um a PIV card or something, but basically it's like a government card. So
1: yeah, you have that, to be in government employee government ID.
0: And it was asking for it in the SBA application. And like I was texting one of my colleagues like, hey, this is the problem that we're getting to. She was actually meeting with SBA and FEMA at that time and they're like, oh well that problem shouldn't happen. They shouldn't see that. And should should not, and we're like, but she is, and they're like, but no, go out and do it again. So we closed it, went back, same thing. Um, so had to like take a picture, show it to her, so she could then show it to them, and they're like, oh, just try again another day. It may be like a glitch. (laughs) Well, at that moment, they were like, you know what? We don't even want this anymore. This is too complicated. The interest is already expensive. Like, we're over it. Mm. Um, We'll figure it out some other way. And that business is still not open to this day in Montpelier Mm -hmm. um, because they are trying to bootstrap it to open back up. And, yeah, right now they need, like, $125,000 to do so. And... Just imagine trying to bootstrap $125,000 when you just opened up in December. And you lost all your assets. And you lost all of your assets. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: That's how... Websites work. And well, that's the trick. I mean, we see this right now with the student loans coming back. I'm on. never paying those. God paid it. Jesus, Jesus died for me. So he paid it all for me.
0: All <laughs> so shouldn't let me get a degree <laughs> if you <laughs> expected me to pay it back. He died on the, the cross. And so, take it out with Jesus. (laughs) 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 So, and let me know what he says. When he gives you an answer, you holler back at me. Because as of right now, when I read it, it says he paid it all. Meaning that is my student (laughs) loans. So, it's above me now. Take it up with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, Because I'm not doing it. So...
1: For the folks who may be grappling with this, the only thing I know is my experience. And the online portal right now for student loans is so backed up. And what I'm worried about, so okay, so right now, if anybody doesn't know, all the student loans were deferred, I guess is the word, for like years, and yeah, we, no payment, one had to make any yeah. payments. But now as of September, we have to make payments. I'm I'm going to be honest about my numbers here because I got a bill for $1,900 a month, which is more than my rent. <laughs> <laughs> and I signed up for the income-based, like income-driven repayment rate. Right? So like they'll lower it. And if I get that program, I'll only pay 150 bucks a month.
0: Okay. How, for how
1: long? As long as I don't. Make a lot of money. <laughs> so but the, but the other thing is I'm also <laughs> yeah. enrolled in the public service loan forgiveness because I work for the conservation district, and I'm like five years in out of ten. And after ten years, you get most of your loans swiped if you don't miss a payment. And because everything's been in deferment, it counts as payments, which is great even though I pay zero dollars, so like amazing. But now I have this $1,900 bill that I'm definitely not going to be able to pay this month and if I don't pay it, you're that, I might be really screwing myself up for my public service loan for you. I don't know. I mean, I've heard about that happening to a lot of people because they missed a payment. So hopefully they're not they are get their life me. together.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't I don't care at this point. Like I look at my balance. I was like, this is really cute. I'm so sorry. You're not getting it from me take it up with somebody else. You shouldn't have gave it to me. That's like, <laughs> and investment. why am I, <laughs> like, why am I paying for this? Like, I mean, yeah. I just,
1: I know I took it out. I'm but, into the, if I can get it forgiven, that's amazing. That's actually a huge perk for why I'm I feel like it should be this, forgiven yeah, like, because Jesus already forgave me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> for I'm my sins. forgiven. I'm forgiven. So, and so are my loans. So, Just for the record. (laughs) Just for the record. Take it up with the big man. Um, Okay. um, But. (laughs) That's our base on student loans. Because I'm not. I I don't have I don't have the money. We don't have any. What did Tupac say? We have no money to feed the poor, but we have it for the war. So, you know, just (laughs) take it up with the DOD at this point. Take my student loans. Send it to the DOD. They handle all of it. They pay for Viagra. And
1: crab, snow crabs. So
0: they can't do my student
1: loans. Speaking of government contracts, if you want to sell Viagra, Viagra. to <laughs> men at sea.
0: And well, and if you want to do crab legs, do both of them. Yeah, right? That's your hustle. hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're not doing that. We can't that. talk about the DOD this <laughs> much on this. Because they will probably come knocking at my door. <laughs> but honestly, send my student loan bill to them
1: because I don't have it. How do you feel about the fact that our system is at a point – and, like, do you think this is broken or is this, this is this a system that works? Where in a lot of cases – and it seems like a growing number of cases – The best way to solve your problem is by having a relationship with your legislator and getting them to solve the problem for you, if you can. (laughs) How does that make you feel, Erin? Is that equitable?
0: Is that a sign of a healthy system? No, because how many people know a legislator? Like, honestly. Only a handful. Like, I have mine. I mean, Monique's not even in my region, honestly, Mm -hmm. but I know that I could call Uh, but no, that's not equitable because how many people do we know of that the A feels comfortable with talking to to them about a problem and is it going to get solved? So no, it's not equitable at all. I think what would be more equitable, you know, like I really did enjoy when Monique was like she wants more people to come to the state house. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't know that they can just go to the state house. Like Mm -hmm. It's not something I mean you can and also a lot of people can't because it, it's during the day. It's
1: during the day. It's literally
0: talking. like during normal yeah. business hours where most people can't. Yeah. Um but then the good thing is you can watch it at least mm-hmm. and but it's not like you can be like, "Hey, I have a problem with what you just right, said." Right, yeah. Uh but no, it's not an equitable process. I do think that there should be like each representative and senator needs like a liaison that that's yeah. in the community that's like, okay, a, a staff, <laughs> need a staff member to yeah. be like, this is the person you can connect with, the, you know, and they'll get it directly to me and I'll set something up with you. I think that may be equitable, but I just don't see a lot of people, A, feeling comfortable with phoning a legislator just because we know um how that process is mainly because when we watch the news we see how how they act but do you think it's an equitable
1: process well thanks for asking Aaron. um <laughs> i have a story to illustrate how i feel <laughs> so basically now <laughs> Well, I think it's also it's a it's a lot to ask of a legislator. You know, I think it's amazing that Monique is willing to do what she's doing, and but it's also like their job. Monique, it's her job. But it's like that's
0: what like everybody's job is to like. I don't think people realize that like they work for us. Yeah, so, Yeah. That that's the like that is lost somewhere. Like we forget. Like, just because you have rep or senator in front of your name. Or if you
1: work for an agency. You are still
0: a person. Mm -hmm. It's just your job. So when I need help, I should be able to come to you and tell you my problems without feeling like you're above me and I no longer matter. So it is their job to be like, this is how we fix problems. And I think if they listen to more people and heard them, mm-hmm. it would a lot of these problems that we're going through, like they would be solved. But I really feel like they like them to be unsolved because then it's just a reason <laughs> to just keep going and making like it is
1: sometimes yeah, fixing problems can sometimes change your job description. But I believe it will make your job a lot better and easier really, and happier yeah. and you'll be helping more people. So it yeah. Uh, I rebuke that, and um, and um, <laughs> and um, I do have a story though of like speaking of the federal govern- government and um, like our senators on the federal level. So obviously in Vermont, 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 in Vermont, Got, we feel the burn. We're, we feel the burn up here, and yes, we have the two. wonderful people. At, Senator, out of Senator Wash, Wash, I don't want to forget him, Welsh. Yes. I don't want to forget him while we're just
0: throwing out Bernie.
1: Welsh, Balant Bernie. Um, but yeah, Bernie and Welsh are the senators and the wonderful people out of one of our senator's office offered to um, help us out with an issue we, we have been having. Um, in the middle of 2020... The government basically shifted all the farmers identification numbers into a whole different system and they didn't tell anybody. And so everyone, not just farmers, everyone got a new special number that they're supposed to know that's like their identifier in order for them to get paid or anything. And they pretty much (laughs) didn't put the word out about that little change, and it's like- They didn't? Are you surprised? (laughs) So they switched from a DUNS number, which was a private Uh, contracted company, to this unique entity identifier, which is like a government-run number, which maybe that's a good thing, but you do have to do it in a way that's like. You also have to tell people. You gotta let people know. So long story short, it didn't work, and it was a nightmare, and it was especially hard for farmers, for lots of reasons and I could go on and on about like all the different reasons why um, you know, all the names were uploaded wrong where they didn't have the LLC behind it. So then the farmer had to like prove they were an entity. So every single farmer that we helped had to go into this system update their entity name. But in order to update their entity name, they had to show what year they were incorporated. A lot of farms have been incorporated for generations and they they don't have a year.
0: It's the (laughs) beginning
1: of time. Yeah. And then the big problem though was that if you were a sole proprietorship, you just like basically couldn't get one of these numbers. It wasn't set up for sole proprietorships and a lot of farmers are. Um, And so there's like that hurdle, the fact that like- a lot of the people we work with don't know how to use, don't aren't comfortable using a computer. That was a hurdle. So anyways, no matter what we did, we still hit roadblocks in this ticketing system, really similar to what's happening right now with the student loans, where it's like, we submit a ticket, we've processed all our files, have been uploaded, and they're like, we'll get back to you in three weeks. It's been like a year and a half. And we've uploaded it over and over and over. And every time it says they'll get back to us in three weeks, right? So this was happening, though, to farmers who were trying to get money from the federal government that they were owed. They had contracts for, but they couldn't get paid because they didn't have this special number. And we would submit a ticket and the tickets would just sit there. And then the tickets would come back to us, like after a certain amount of time, they would be rejected or whatever. They just expired. and We'd have to submit another one. And eventually, the, it, it was risen to the level of our Senator office, and they, the process that made the whole thing move forward was we would reach out to them with the name of the farmer and the ticket number. They would reach out to the entity that runs, the government agency that runs these numbers, and say, hey, pay attention to this ticket number. We would get bumped to the top of the line and they would address our issue. So like, good for us. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Like, really, thank you. Because it helped our farmers out. But like in my masses, calculations, yeah. There are still millions oh, goodness. of farms that need to go through this process. I'm not Shh. exaggerating. And not just farms, like I said, like every business but they don't even know that they have to do it. And they won't know until it's like Time. they need it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's God, that's a broken
0: up. thing within the federal government. That's, oh, so
1: man. Oh, man. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if it has to get to the level of, like, in order for us to get service from our agency, I have to, like, know Bernie Sanders' office, that's crazy. Right? That's how it works. That sounds broken to me. You got like it. I don't want to have to know people <laughs> to get equal service.
0: But they're probably like, you should already know. And then it's like,
1: but I don't though. No, I got the email. But what like- about
0: like, okay, Vermont. We live in a place to where self reception is like Probably 30% of Vermont has good cell reception, if we're going to be completely honest, because it's a very rural state. So I'm supposed to call, but I may not even be able to call because I don't have service where I am. I mean, I can write a letter, but let's be honest, like, Mm -hmm. the postal service is behind because they need workers. How am I even supposed to get in contact and if, like, go to Bernie's office? In what, Burlington? And let's say I lived in Groton, or NEK or Southern Vermont. Like, yeah, there has to be like a, I mean, I know you can email, but also let's go back to a lot of people don't know how to use technology. So what is the proper process of being able to get in contact with your representative or your senator either, like, for the state or, you know, your county, without it
1: being the strenuous process? I mean, you know, in this case, the only thing that was working for these farms, and I believe the, like, majority, like, the only farms who have sorted this out had a technical assistance provider like us helping them. So, again, back to, like, the helper's need to be... (laughs) a piece, like they're a critical infrastructure and they need to be paid. Um, We did not budget for the, I'm not exaggerating, 100 hours, probably hundreds of hours since we helped like 15 farms through this process and each one took like 12 hours to get them their number. To get a number. To get a number, so that we didn't, didn't even know, know that it was supposed to be the, in our budget. Like, the
0: government probably put that they were changing the the
1: system at the very bottom of the page, <laughs> and that's our fault for not looking at yeah. the bottom of the page. No, we we sent we tried to submit for money for them, and we got an email that said this was in June, June, July of twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. It was twenty twenty one, I think. Um, and it went as of April
0: in a pandemic the entire federal
1: government has switched to a new number different than the number you've had for the last 50 years oh you don't have it in the middle of a (laughs) pandemic okay we gotta go back because
0: this is 2021 so we were still in a pandemic you don't have the right number You you don't have the right number we switched it in 2021 when we were in a global global pandemic we change your number we do not tell, tell you, you that we changed your number Didn't so where's like this you know where's the notice period over here like you don't just give me a notice that something that is extremely important Critical. to me yeah is is changing mm-hmm. or like hey i'm gonna mail you out a letter with your new number because we we assigned you a new number yes. you just don't know your new number y-
1: yeah, you don't know yep
0: like as if farmers don't already have a lot going on in a global pandemic.
1: And some, some people may say and have said it didn't really matter because for the majority of the ways that farmers access money, they didn't need this number. But let me give you the example of the actual farm that did, was not able and still to this day is not able to get this number because of the way they're structured, because of all these reasons, because they don't have even cell phones. They don't have internet. They don't have laptops. They cannot get this number. And that summer, 2021, they had no money. And this grant that we were waiting on for them was for $5,000, $5,000. They (laughs) had so little money and diesel was like crazy expensive that summer. They couldn't afford to buy diesel to run their tractor. And I remember talking to them and being like, this was like maybe the month later. And I was like, you know, he, he, he basically said I didn't have money and I couldn't run my tractor. So we just stopped for the month of July. Now, mind you, this is a dairy farm. So, like, you still have to milk your cows twice a day. You can't stop. But he just didn't have equipment. He just had no money for the actual fuel that it would take to run his farm. But he still had to, like, manually do everything he had to do. He just – he couldn't cut hay. He couldn't, like, move his manure around. Like, he just didn't have any tractor. And so, and what's so tragic too is like, and beautiful, like this, in, this farm in particular, they have a son who is like up and coming next generation. He's like all in, he's like early teens okay. and we're helping them with their grazing plan. Like we're helping them transition to a better grazing system where they get more grass out of their operation. And when we got there, they had like basically like three big fields and through our grazing plan, we had plans for them to like put fence and subdivide their fields a bunch to make smaller pastures, you know? And so when we get there, you know, and we tried for, we really, really tried to get this farm money and we just hit all these barriers. But at the end of the day, they were the happiest coming out of our cohort. They only received $600 total. They literally, he, he was like, Oh yeah, my son, he just grabbed some scrap wood made a fence, we gave them, like our grazing specialist just donated like 200 bucks worth of line, like electrical line. And they like grabbed some extra wires and they just made their own fence and they didn't access any funding because they could really couldn't, they yeah. couldn't even get the $5,000 $5, for because they didn't have a number and they had no way to back.
0: Like it's that access piece. It, it it all goes back to access. Like no matter like language access, financial access, like resources, like there there is like this disconnect of this is now your problem. We changed our system. You figure it out. Um and if you don't figure it out, we do not care. Yeah. It's like, not even who's like we're sorry that help. <laughs> like figure it out. Um I was talking, um, so it was Halloween, and I was talking to um, like a little horse, a horse barn, mm-hmm. and she was like, hey, is seventeen dollars per bale right now." <laughs> Whoa! Because of the flood and the and mm-hmm.
1: the fires in Canada, I remember when four dollars a bale was expensive. Just as reference. 17,
0: and the thing is, they're trying to get it either in Vermont, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. or Canada, because that's usually where they get it from. Canada does not even have enough hay because of the fires that they experienced. So now they're like, we can't get from Vermont because there was a flood that happened, and not just a flood. It rained rained like every day in like almost all parts of Vermont, so we have to think about, and New Hampshire, so we got to think about that part.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so the cheapest they have seen is seventeen dollars. Now we have to go through winter. Mm-hmm. Know, Horses really eat scary. a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: So do cows. Mm-hmm.
0: And they, they, so let's add that expense yeah. right there. I don't think people are really thinking um how natural this disasters winter is gonna
1: be really tough I think for a lot of
0: people. Oh, food. <laughs> like I had a conversation about food. Like you yeah. gotta realize like also mm-hmm. food harvest because it rained so much. Yeah, so h- human food. So that means we're probably gonna have to import, which is already super yeah. expensive to import food to Vermont because mm-hmm. we are so far up north and we're basically Canada when you talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, So just now imagine the millions of dollars we're going to have to spend on getting food here. And then just knowing like now this inflation is about to increase, which we're already seeing inflation. But now we're going to see it, I really think, in like January and February. And that's a part of natural disaster that we are not planning for. Like we don't plan for after it happens Because just because it's over and it's no longer raining and like the water's dried up, like Mm -hmm. we still have issues like hay, food. Like so many people lost food during the flood because you can't sell that food anymore because it's contaminated. Yeah. Yeah. So, (sighs) yeah, we got a lot to plan for, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of resilience to think about.
1: A lot of local food infrastructure to build. I'm really excited about our local fund pool this year because we got at least 13 applications, maybe more. Um, to and those were all for like community scale agriculture projects. So we're definitely going to get some of this money out the door for what uh, the and then infrastructure we need. And then there is.
0: Uh, S-B-A-T-E, they're doing, um, which is a small business technical assistance exchange. They applications open Monday, November 6th, um, and it's for a technical assistance grant up to $4,000. And so have to be in Vermont. Um, But, yeah, they're prioritizing BIPOC women, rural Vermont. So that's... (laughs) majority of vermont <laughs> um veterans people with disability so yeah um talk to your rdcs is that
1: for like businesses only business yeah, yeah like but businesses.
0: farmers count because they're a business oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. um they have to make over five thousand dollars in a year but less than five hundred thousand. oh my god i have
1: such a broken thing <laughs> you just reminded me of